Blog Talk Radio. This week's Thunder Crawlers Radio. Here we go. Broadcasting live from the PCR studio. The Emperor has been expecting you. Where Geekishik and Pandemonium reign supreme. Come to the coast and get together, have a few laughs. Your host will discuss everything you need to know about the world of Geek. Oh, yeah! So grab your staff, throw on your cape, and roll your 20-sided die, because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. And yet another life. Another droid is dead. Yay! Welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where little girls run around in pink hats. Yes. <laughs> My minion are are uh, are uh, camouflaged, yes. one might say. I thought you were just talking about Flagoon in general. <laughs> no. Flagoon just carries around a giant stick to beat up people. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You know, I, I have you seen the picture of Larry Korea's big club that has the metal s- spikes on it? No, I haven't. You totally need one. I do. Because this thing is longer than he is tall, and he lugs wow. that thing. If you had one of those, I, it would be awesome. Is that like something he carries around for his L5R games, so j- just to keep his players in check? Well, it's the what he when we did a, the interview with him at LTUE, the one he was talking about that Mrs. Korea said is an outside toy only. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the one. I mean, it is massive. So, yes, I would. I would think that he would just carry it around in general. Yes. Who wouldn't want to? Boo. Yeah, oh, yes. I really need to uh, log out of our guys' Skype because I'm also getting the uh, notification. Yay! <laughs> for you. Uh, yes, I need to. We need to call. Uh, let me just. Were we, did somebody drop? Danielle just tried contacting us, our, our interview for tonight. Ah, so uh, before we get that going here, uh, welcome. To another edition of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, live at Epic Puzzles and Games in West Valley City, Utah. Yes, so, I'm Chris uh, the intern. Ha, oh, ha. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 nice. This is the mighty and powerful Lord Flagoon. It's a guy named Joe, and as always, Revan. <laughs> I just control everything. Yeah, that's what you do. Backwards. Yeah, kind of. I, I know. We'll just go backwards this time. We'll, it's, we'll go it's backwards. Reverse day today. You see. Oh. If, if, uh, see, Chris, the intern didn't jump in there saying who he was. We might have forgot him. No, I He's not not here. He's back in a cave. As he should be. I would not forget intern Chris. I am still waiting on that coffee. Well, it's going to be extra, (laughs) extra cold. Well, I was hoping for a nice coffee anyhow, so so there you go. It works. All right, I'm trying to add Firebird to the show. Okay. I know they've been having technical difficulties out in the wide, wide world of St. Louis. Yeah, we had issues with her last week, and she just disappeared halfway through the show. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So hopefully she's coming right so back. It, Either it, that or the doctor, in. like, beamed her into the TARDIS. And we just have no reception there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the TARDIS just coalesced over the top of her. That's probably oh. what it was. <laughs> I, I want a TARDIS. It's likely true. Who doesn't want a TARDIS? I mean, just because it's... I, I would not have to have a house. Other, other, than, no. other than this, 
side is the size of an entire universe, I'm sure it would cost a fortune to keep heated. <laughs> no, because it's self-regulated. You know, they say that, but there's always those Come HOA on. fees. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, and yeah. There's, 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 there's always HOA fees, which I'm sure for a place that's the size of a universe is going to be kind of steep. And then, like, they say that water and ga- water and sewage are free, mm-hmm. but they tack it on other, other places. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll get you they'll, out they'll, they'll get you They'll get you someplace else. Well, you know, he was prepared to go to church, and he didn't seem a bit cold. That's true. Yeah. Maybe he just keeps one room clean, one room at ambient warm temperature. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure yeah. they can, you know... I'm sure they've got like Divide, you know shut it down the heat on all the other things. I mean, yeah. come on. But could, he spent he spent so much time in just that one room of the TARDIS, yeah. and, you know the the, the other joiners. Mm-hmm. How like just dusty and like moldy or like dark would the <laughs> are the are the the not so frequently. Well, we know he has a pool, swimming pool in there. Well, That's he very always changed though, guys. So because it's alive, it's a living building. Yeah, maybe the TARDIS has like this static filter that it just fries all dust and dead skin cells and that stuff. And also the thing about him being cold, he's got two hearts. That means he gets to stay warm more, more blood pumping through him. Yeah, and he's always wearing a coat or, or, or a jacket. No, 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 not when he's going to church. Not when he's going to church. No. But he, he's got, he's got it's, a holographic. It's a holographic. So that just makes me wonder, how often is he running around with the holographic clothing on? <laughs> well, since the only people that can see are the ones that are like mentally linked to the TARDIS or whatever. I know. Explain it to him. Not very many people are like, what is this naked guy doing? So well, I maybe that's why they're saying he's... Doctor Who. <laughs> because what doctor in his right mind would be showing up well, and going to church? We'll just leave it that way without offending anyone. Although somebody's probably got to be immune to that. Somebody's got to have enough Maybe. psychic training to be like, Dr. Fucking Naked? Yeah. What? Dr. Naked. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on. So tonight we're going to have a great interview with Danielle Jensen talking about her new book, The Stolen Songbird. We'll talk with her, and then we will cover some geek news. Uh, I can't find Firebird, so I probably won't have Wait. a... Uh, it says her last desktop isn't any Firebird, no! And we... We were going to do an epic showdown last week, but we held it off. So, um, yeah, because of the uh, sudden disappearances and uh, yeah, all that. I don't even remember who was it. I remember. What was it supposed to be? Sean Connery. Oh yeah, James Bond versus the, yes. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones against the Sean Connery James Bond. Ooh. So we'll, okay. we'll do that this evening. All right, but which 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 Indiana which indie? There's only one indie. Yeah, but which iteration? I mean, we've got we've got the the only one that killed. It, which is it, one it would three. not be really young indie, and it would not be old indie. It's indie. Oh, it's I Indian. don't know. Okay. I would say it's all one continuity. Yes. It just doesn't have the fourth one because that one never happened. It nope, did happen. Totally happened. Yep. All right. So uh, we'll do that, and we have several Gamer Forge emails to go through. We have seven. Seven. So we thought we were. Topping the scales with five last week, oh, no. you guys decided to amp it up. So. Which, thank you, Internet. Thank you, Dungeons. <laughs> All right. We love you. So uh, we will add Danielle to this call. At yes. Adding, subtracting, multiplying, and yes. dividing. Yes, something like that. Yes. Math. It's fundamental. <laughs> wow. 
What have you been watching? You are worse than my math teachers. What? <laughs> Hello. Hi. Yeah. How Welcome are to you Dungeon doing? Crawlers Radio. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is a first. Yes, well, it is. Hopefully a first of many. Well, I can only hope so. Mm-hmm. That'll be good. So can you hear me okay? We can. Yeah. There's a slight echo, though. So I don't know if you have speakers on or something like that. No, I don't think so. I think it's just... Yeah. Weird. Okay. Well, now now the echo's gone, so I just it must have been crazy. Yeah. I think it was that. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. the most likely. So, um, so uh, Danielle, you, it says you're listed here as being born and raised in, in Calgary. Um, how... How does uh, that early childhood influence your new book, Stolen Songbird? My early childhood? Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm not going to say that Calgary had anything to do with it, but um, as far as my early childhood goes, both my parents are really avid readers, and my dad was not really into the children's stories. So he actually started me on like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, David Edding stuff when I was like in about grade one. So... It was an early start into the into the epic fantasy, so it was uh, an early love, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just continued from there. My childhood sucked compared to yours. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah, get Lord of the Rings or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he uh, definitely uh, didn't uh, hold back on pushing my brother and I into into reading um, stuff that I suppose you would consider beyond our our age range, but worked out, I guess. Did he use uh, To Kill a Mockingbird as his model for how to raise kids? <laughs> that and that? No, I would not say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for, for the people who haven't uh, read Stolen Songbird, what would you, what would you say you know, is the, the, the core reason that they need to read this book? Well, probably not that many people have read it because it's not out until April 1st. So. Yeah. For the people who aren't uh, planning on reading it, what's the core reason to... <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to give you the date. My bad. <laughs> well, uh, there, fortunately, there has been some uh, people who got advanced copies. So, you know, there are people out there that have read it. But, um, well, as far as why you would want to read it, it's uh, sort of a, a adventure and romance Um mystery. I guess it's a bit different because people haven't really read that many books where the main characters are trolls. So um, there's certainly been a lot of interest into, you know, how I've developed and and changed um, that particular myth. So if you're sort of into reading something that might be a little bit new, a little bit different, it might be right up your alley. The main characters are trolls. I like this. I heard heard that correctly. Yes. Yes. Okay, you, you need to go in. What is what is Stolen Songbird about? Uh, Stolen Songbird is about a girl that gets kidnapped by trolls who um, live under the mountain. Um, they've been cursed for 500 years, and uh, there's been a prophecy that speaks of a way for them to break free of the curse. So um, effectively what they think is going to do this is uh, bonding and marrying Cecile to um, the troll prince Tristan, but it doesn't work out quite as well as uh, they intended. And she ends up uh, realizing there's a lot more going on in the city that she never really knew existed. And, uh, and she finds out that Tristan is actually um, a secret leader of a revolution to overthrow his father, the king, because he's quite the, um, you know, a sadistic evil ruler. So she ends up joining in that and ends up sort of falling for him. So 
All right. So what you know you mentioned a curse. So what is this curse that's going on, or, or do you not want to say? Uh, I can say a little bit about it. All right. Sure. Um, the trolls have very powerful magic, and um, sort of back in the day before they were cursed, they uh, they were sort of the evil overlords of their corner of the world, and they ended up getting cursed by a human witch, which bound them to the confines of their city until. Um, basically, she died. She's found a way to be immortal, and they can't seem to find her or track her down. So um, they're hoping that Cecile is part of the ability to uh, to do that. Okay. So, now, oh, go ahead. oh, I was going to ask is how uh, how how would the trolls here differ from like more traditionally depicted trolls and say um, I guess more uh, mainstream fantasy. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a way a lot of people think about, you know, the trolls in The Hobbit, or, mm-hmm. um, the trolls in Harry Potter, or the troll dolls with the funny hair, or the trolls in Frozen, yeah. <laughs> none of which are like my trolls. Um, that is definitely something that I don't talk about too much, is specifically what they do look like. They are human-sized. We're not talking like the, the you know, the cave trolls that you see uh, in the Lord of the Rings movies that are not... Uh, they're human-sized, so they're different that way. Um, they've evolved from how they originally started out and become quite twisted by time. So uh, they're not uniformly um, uniform in their appearance. They're quite different. Uh, some of them are quite monstrous, and some of them are less so. So uh, it's sort of interesting for Cecile to find out um, how they differ from the myths that she hears about because they are part of the human mythology from sort of the world that she's in. So uh, it is something that the reader kind of learns along with her because it is told from her point of view. But they are different than what you're expecting. (laughs) So why did you decide to go with trolls instead of other typical mythical creatures like elves and dwarves and fairies and so on? Um. I was interested in um, looking at creating effectively more monstrous characters. These are not pleasant creatures by and large. And so going with, um, you know, an elf, for instance, which doesn't necessarily have the negative connotations, wasn't really going to accomplish um, the more monstrous um, mythical aspects that people would associate with something more like a troll. Uh, So it's just a bit of a different spin, but... Mm-hmm. So then, why um, then why why would a character uh, Cecile, right? Is I am I am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, why uh, why include a character such as her and involve them in such a monstrous race as the trolls? Then. Well, she doesn't choose to become involved. Really, mm-hmm. um, she is the one that's sort of been indicated by this prophecy that she's going to be able to break this curse. So they use their human minions to kidnap her and bring her in. So this is definitely not voluntary on, on her part. Um, and definitely when she first arrives, her biggest thing is to try and escape. But uh, that proves to be much more difficult than she originally anticipates. And then she she starts to make friends. She starts to learn that um, the trolls are maybe not exactly what she thought that they would be like and that they're not uniform in their evilness and that some of them are not evil at all. And um, 
the underclass that she's actually trying to help are the half-bloods, which are half-troll, half-human. And um, she kind of takes up their, their cause. Nice. Okay. So then um, can you describe maybe some of the relationships then? Because you said that she makes some friends along the way. I mean, can you describe what some of that would look like? Certainly. Um, who's, the friends that she actually ends up making are um, Tristan's friends uh, because she um, does get a little bit limited in who she gets to spend time with in the sense that, um, you know, she's married to the prince, so she's not just rolling around with necessarily the common classes. In order to do that, she has to sneak out. So she makes friends with his friends um, who are also uh, members of his little secret revolution that he has going on. Um and they are all very different type characters. There's Mark, who's um, definitely one of the more flawed physically, uh, but he also turns out to be the kindest and definitely one of her uh, better friends. Um, he has some friends that are twins, but they're quite gigantic, and they're the tricksters and the jokesters, and, and she gets quite close with them. Um, she has <laughs> uh, some half-blood servants, that she becomes close with and they help her get to know about sort of the slavery and the, uh, the darker side of the sort of political class system that they have going on in the city. So. Nice. Okay. So, okay. We, we have humans, we have trolls. Do we have any other type of dark, nasty creatures running around in this world as well? Uh, we do. Um, the Trollis is a city that's uh, buried by been buried by a mountain, so it's underground, um, and surrounding it is uh, a labyrinth of rock. And there are some sort of slug-like monster creatures called the Slog that in there, live in there, and uh, they cause the Trolls and Cecile quite a bit of problems um, throughout the story. Okay. Nice. Okay. So, oh, do you look at your website? Go. No? Okay. <laughs> we're tag teaming. Yeah, we're yeah, tagging. So uh, how, uh, how, how did you come up with the concept of, of creating this lead character, and then how, and what sort of people influenced that decision? Um, I always find this like, a very difficult question to ask because it's sort of like trying to explain how a daydream comes into existence. It's just something that you start thinking about um, where the story originally came from was a bit of inspiration on the setting on a city that had been buried but not destroyed by rock. And I started thinking about um, what sort of characters would be inhabiting such a place, why they would choose to stay in such a place. And it all came from that. And, um, you know, you you end up because... um, you're writing YA, oftentimes you're, you have to have a bit of a more of a romantic aspect. So you, you end up having uh, uh, certain characters that you're going to have as far as, you know, the romantic interest and your, you know, your female lead and whatnot. And it just all kind of came from there. So then, I mean, I'm, then I'm kind of curious then about the writing for the YA audience and writing for the wide, um, I guess, writing for YA publishers is, I mean, how do they, are there certain aspects that are like requirements? Cause you said that there kind of had to be a, a romantic interest. Is that like a requirement? No, it's not a requirement. There's certainly YA novels that don't have romance in them, but um, definitely I, I think if you were going to go into the teen section of the bookstore, the lion's share of uh, 
novels would contain at least some romantic plot on some level, whether or not it be a primary plot or a subplot. Okay. Um, YA tends to be a lot more focused on relationships in general. So if it isn't a, a romance plot, there's probably going to be um, a strong arc related with a friendship or, or some serious type relationship. It's just you tend to see a lot more of a focus on relationships and um, interaction between characters. Okay. Which makes sense for, uh, for I guess, a young adult character as well, um, to try to put it, I guess, put it in, to be in their shoes. That sort of thing would be pretty common in that, in that age, at that age group, I should say. Yes. I would say so. Okay. So then uh, how... Um, then how is it different than writing from like your own perspective and then creating like a, a someone who is younger than yourself? Did you kind of have to tap into your own uh, your own childhood, or did you do some like a market research? Uh, obviously, I've read widely within the teen market. I don't think that you have any business writing in a market that you don't <laughs> read. <laughs> so uh, I do read extensively in that market. So I'm aware, certainly of of what's popular, what's working, um, what's not working. Uh, we've all been teenagers, so it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe longer than I want to admit, but <laughs> <laughs> I certainly do remember um, some of the things that were key focuses for me, my friends, uh, things that you worry about, things that, you know, you're, you know, obviously parents and um, adults, uh, people in your life, the relationships with them and uh, the problems that they cause you, that sort of stuff. I don't think that, you know, you ever really forget. So, you know, you have to tap into that a little bit. It's in a way it's easier, I think, because I'm writing um, in an entirely different world. So I'm not necessarily trying to replicate the speech patterns of a modern day teenager, which anybody writing a contemporary YA would certainly have to do. Yeah, you're not going to write something that's taking place in a high school in Los Angeles, and you know, sound like you're thirty something years old. It's just not gonna. It's not gonna work for your audience. Yeah, harder, harder to relate in that aspect. So, what kind of language did you sort of? Uh, did you have to kind of tap into? Did you do some like? Uh, you use like old, uh, like old uh, medieval English, or or something even more <laughs> further back than that. I'm not going back into the old English, that's for sure. Um, it would definitely, it it would be a similar type of speech pattern to what you would see, generally speaking, in in um, an epic fantasy novel that would take place in a pseudo, like a Western, um, early modern or medieval type landscape, I guess you could say. Uh, I didn't want it to get too bogged down in the these and thighs, so it's not quite that bad <laughs> but um you know they're not like hey yo how's it going or anything like that yeah so yeah the, if okay so then um how how did you sort of um how did you come up with sort of the the action then i mean because obviously this is not uh the rugged male stereotype action hero that we're going for even though there are males represented as well i mean how how does a character like cecile cope with uh with the action <laughs> a lot of yelling and punching and, and scratching <laughs> <laughs> she's uh she's definitely she's not a warrior she's a farm girl actually but um she copes like the average girl would if 
um, she were attacked and dragged into this underground kingdom, she tries to fight back as well as she can, but she doesn't have sword skills or anything like that. So she ends up um, trying to uh, outwit is, is what she ends up really going back on, but these trolls are not the, the stupid trolls of a hobbit. They're actually extremely intelligent. So that's um, much more of a challenge than she she originally thought it would be. But yeah, she fights back. She fights back like a normal person would fight back. So, okay, so, so no, uh, no MMA fights or anything like that? She's not going to be like... Uh doing perfectly timed roundhouse kicks or anything? No, none of that. None of that? Okay. Basically, if, you know, you or I were dragged off, she would, she'd be fighting back in in a similar type of manner, which a lot of people are actually um, really relating to because I think that there's definitely been, uh, there's a lot of, you know, really kick-ass heroines in the YA market that have, you know, crazy training and know how to do all sorts of sword fighting and um, just hand-to-hand combat and all that sort of stuff. And to see somebody who maybe isn't quite, you know, blessed with such a skill set fighting her way out of a situation in a way that any of us would has certainly seemed to appeal to a lot of people. Nice. So what would you say has been your inspiration as a writer to, to write this story and others? Yeah, I mean, the stories just sort of march out of your brain. I mean, it's not the first book that I've written, but it's the mm-hmm. first one that's going to be published, so it's certainly okay. the most important one for me at this point. Um, I like the fairy tale, fantastical aspect of the novel. I like writing things that, um, where the research is, is how deep you can dig into your own brain for inspiration versus going out into the world and um, trying to pluck it from history or from other things that are going on. So I tried to create something that was my own, that was a bit different, that um, people might uh, just find a nice change from what's out there in the market right now. So what sort of writing style are you? Are you a a person who has to outline every individual action, or are you more of a write on the cuff and just kind of start writing and see where it goes? I definitely am a pantser, for sure. I like to write from the cuff. Um, This is a trilogy. So I had to outline book two and three as far as the process of selling it. So um, I had to do that. It's not my preference, but it's just part of the business. And so I've learned to do it. Uh, We'll see how well I stick to said outlines. (laughs) (laughs) They may get something that's somewhat unrecognizable from what I said I was going to write. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I hate outlines. Honestly, I just feel like I'm, just sitting down and trying to create that outline just feels like I'm destroying my creative process. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, and I, then you you know you start writing it and you realize that it wasn't actually that great of an idea. Yeah, <laughs> and so you just have to backtrack, or sometimes you'll just encounter a part in your outline and and realize it's given you absolutely no detail and is not helpful in the slightest, and you just end up writing from the cuff. Again, so I know different people write differently. I don't. I just don't like writing from an outline. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, 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 what sort of uh, feedback have you received so far um, from like either writing, like uh, reading test readers, or uh, um, or even from publishers that's been proven to be extremely helpful in that regard? As 
helpful in writing uh, synopsises or synopsi. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, getting stolen songbird ready for publishing and, and oh. about to hit the market. Yeah, how, how did that turn out? Okay, well, I originally went through the process of getting an agent, um, which I did. Uh, and um, I went through a, a lot of editorial with her. She's a very editorial agent. And then it, it went on submission and sold to Strange, Strange Chemistry um, fairly quickly. And I went through some editorial with them. But, um, I mean, as far as feedback, obviously they liked it because they bought it. Mm-hmm. And they're publishing it. Uh, it's in the hands of several hundred people right now as far as advanced copies. And if you wander onto Goodreads and all those sorts of places, there's, I don't know, somewhere north of 100 reviews if you're looking for feedback mm-hmm. on what people are thinking about it. Um, it's been well-received so far, which, knock on wood, hopefully it continues to be well-received. Uh, and there's just been a lot of, a lot of interest in it um, in the blog community, which has been really, really uh, nice, and everybody's been really, really awesome about getting uh, the word out about my book. It's definitely um, been amazing to see the amount of support I've gotten from people uh, who are readers and are part of the online community. Nice. So you, you've mentioned you, this isn't your first story, but it's the first published one. So how does that feel? You've, you've spent all this time writing all these other stories, and finally you have one that's going to be on the bookshelf at your local bookstore or on Amazon. Feels pretty good. Um, Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've been at it for years and years and years and years. So I think there's two aspects to writing. There's the part that, you know, you do for yourself because you want to um, get a story that's in your head out on paper. And then there's the part of you that wants to share that with, other people with with readers and and that's the part that would drive you towards uh publication because um if you weren't interested in sharing it i'm not sure why you would want to go through the um very difficult and rejection filled process that is seeking publication (laughs) but uh yeah it feels amazing i mean i've got a lot of uh books in the electronic drawer and um you know, you can't really look at it as wasted effort because, you know, it's a learning process and a skill set that only really comes from practice. So, um, you know, maybe I will drag some of those out of the, the drawer one day and rewrite them and try and make them into something, or maybe I won't because it always seems like you have more ideas in your head than time to put them down on, on the computer screen. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's it's great to, to finally have one that, you know, made it across the finish line. Uh, that's nice. got to be an awesome feeling. Uh-huh. So we are talking with author Danielle Jensen, talking about her, her upcoming book, Stolen Songbirds. If you have any questions or just praise that you want to uh, heap onto Danielle, feel free to give us a call at 626-226-1475. Or as always, you can reach us at info at dungeoncollegeradio.com. We're also on Facebook. Just look up the same, Dungeon College Radio. Um, we're also on the Twitter at, at DCR underscore show. And also on the Google A, the Google Plus. And YouTube. Yeah, and the YouTube. Look on our YouTube channel. Check out our YouTube channel. Please. 
Everybody should be looking at it anyway. <laughs> they should. <laughs> All right. So this uh, this next half of the interview is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. Uh, once you're done with listening to the show, if you want to get yourself a copy of Stolen Songbird or any of the other books that you've been uh, hearing about in the past few weeks, just go to the sidebar uh, located at DungeonCollegeRadio.com, clear out your cookies, enter in your search term, and shop as normal. It doesn't cost you anything extra and uh, even kicks a little bit of money back to us. So it's not entirely... A selfless gesture. That's Amazon.com. All righty. Yeah, so. got to pay the bills. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like you guys have had a bit of practice in saying that particular part of your show. Amazingly enough, I think that's the first time it's gone flawlessly. That, that <laughs> or at least the Amazon part. Yes. Normally, we, we stumble over that one. But I that like one was like amazing. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go back now, clip that out of the show, and then just drop it in from now on. That's, Press play. Yeah, that's our permanent pre-recorded one from now on. That was like perfect. I so, need one of those for when people ask me what my book is about because yeah. it's filled with a uh, uh. Just a second, let me get my phone out, yeah. pull up the playlist. All right, elevator speech and play. Yeah. That's true. My book is about the duality of of the human nature in itself. Well, I mean, there was a radio station I worked for in years past that. He had a, a co-host on, and you could never tell when the co-host was gone because he had pre-recorded answers in the machine. So he just tapped the button after he a- asked a question, and it would answer. <laughs> so literally for years, you never knew that when the guy was actually there or not. It was that oh, I seamless. Need that. I need that so badly. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's not necessarily the writer's skill set talking about anything. So, but you're doing an amazing job. I'll okay. say that. I'm sure I'll, maybe I'll get a call from my publicist tomorrow and show the publicist tomorrow and just see what happened to you. Well, we'll be honest. We've had some authors on here that it is, I, it is boring. Uh, we are sitting here like, oh my gosh, give me a hammer, knock me out, because they're just very dry. They're not entertaining, and it's like pulling teeth from a crocodile just to get an answer because you'll ask him a question it's like two words that's all they'll give you and it's like uh, okay and then trying to give him another one or yeah it's it's yeah. the so, best the best sign we have for when an interview is going well is when Revan stays at his chair yes <laughs> otherwise <laughs> otherwise he just mutes his mic and walks away and leaves it for uh, for Joe and I so yes. the fact that he's still here you're doing really yes. well so let's let's actually since we're doing let's keep, that yeah. let's get back to the book or let's yeah. get back to you know, future books. So you've got uh, Stolen Songbirds coming out. It's a trilogy. Yes. Uh, when, uh, so do you have the trilogy uh, completed, or are you still are they still in works? Oh, I wish it was done. <laughs> I wish they were um, done. Why isn't it done yet? Uh, no, it's not at all done. Um, the second book I'm writing, so it's getting close to done. I need to finish it because they're expecting it to arrive soon. <laughs> So, you know, that's the joys of um, signing a contract for a book is is that all of a sudden you have a timeline Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like your job and there's expectations (laughs) that you deliver a product that's actually worth reading. So that's been different and new and challenging, but um, I'm getting close to finishing it. Hopefully after a few rounds of editorial, it will be okay. (laughs) So (laughs) after... Sorry to sorry to interrupt you. 
No, no worries. So after the uh, after this trilogy gets done and finished with, do you have any stories like uh, story ideas that are rattling around that you want to you you want to try to get published as well, or, or would you rather just go to your your e jump drawer and try to flesh out one of those and get those published first? Um, no, I think I I have another project that is half done, we'll say. Um, that I'll I'll go back to, and it's also in the epic fantasy realm, um, in the YA realm as well. Uh, I'll probably work on that if I haven't fallen out of love with it by the time I finish these three books. But um, it's it can be some people I think can jump back and forth between working on projects. I all of a sudden all my characters sound start to sound like the same person when I do that, mm-hmm. which is not you know ideal. Um, so I try to work on one thing at a time, um, just because I have deadlines, it has to be the, the one that is being published, obviously. And it, I don't have any problem with that because obviously I love this story and it's near and dear to my heart. But, um, yeah, I haven't really had time to work on anything else, uh, sort of in recent history, um, editorial for Stolen Songbird didn't finish until late last year. And then at that point I was, you know, neck deep in, in writing the sequel. And when that's done, I will then be neck deep in writing the, the third and final books. So, um, yeah, time goes by both slowly and quickly in this writing world. So, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. in the next year or so I'll be able to work on something new and, and hopefully look at making a career out of this. Nice. Okay. So I have a question. So you get, what do you do when you're not writing and taking a break? Or do you even get to take a break? No. Well, I do do other work for a living, so that takes up my time. But I wouldn't call it a break. I call it work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, you end up basically juggling two full-time jobs. So I don't get time off really all that much. Every once in a while I uh, will have a TV night or, you know, manage to squeeze in a bit of vacation. But it's pretty much um, I work seven days a week. It's uh, there's, there's no rest for the wicked when you're starting out in this business, that's for sure. What I need is to win the lottery and then I can just write full time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's like what everybody needs to do. Yeah, you I know, need to learn the lottery. Plan. Yeah, <laughs> need to start no. buying tickets. I haven't really factored that part in, but. <laughs> so yeah. what you need to do is have a uh, like a re- uh, a relative that wins the lottery, and, and then, then tragically dies. But they weren't really <laughs> that close of a relative, and then they just willed all of their money, all their winnings to you. So you don't have to pay taxes. Oh, you still no, oh, I'm in Canada. I don't have to. Oh, never oh, mind. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's there right. Go. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. We don't we don't play, pay taxes on our lottery winnings either. Oh man, we are in the wrong business. We are that we are or the wrong country. <laughs> wrong country. I move north. Well, cool, but you know. We need to talk to Matt. Yeah, yeah, I think he can can help us out. Matt can win the lottery and give it all to us, but we'd have to cut him in for a percentage. He can have ten percent. He'd probably That's want totally 20. fair. He'd probably want That's 20. Fair. He is getting married. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's going to need more than 20 if he's getting married? Probably. I, I wouldn't he doubt him. He could Maybe. be on the new show, uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. <laughs> or Geek Wedding. That one. That was ridiculous. All right. <laughs> well. 
I just watched the commercials and I was like, wow, seriously? <laughs> so if you don't mind my asking, what do you do for a day job? Is it something just as creative or is it something like polar opposite? Because we've had some writers that have been on that, you know, they write and then they're like cardiac nurses in a deep, super stressful job. And so the writing helps relieve that stress. So do you have something similar like that or is it something completely different? No, I used to work in finance. That's what my first degree is in. Okay. Yeah, I hated it. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. Um, they kind of frown on people who, you know, sit at their desk daydreaming about dragons and trolls and that sort of thing. So I thought they just frowned on anybody daydreaming, period. Yeah. That kind of, sounds, kind of sounds like the security gig. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, I did work in that for a long time. And uh, when I had the opportunity to not uh, and to go back to school, I went back and got an English degree and decided to focus on writing because it was something that really, really interested in me. And now I've done some, a lot of different jobs since because I didn't really want to get into the path of, I didn't want to go back into finance and business because I didn't want to sit at a desk all day mm-hmm. and then all night. And uh, so I've done a lot of different things. I've waitressed in a bar. I've like worked in clothing. I worked at a, you know, like a sporting goods store that sold guns and all sorts of weird things now. And that's sort of been kind of my path is more trying to do things that I don't mind doing that pay my bills and uh, are interesting experiences and focusing my attention and my life on, uh, on publication and on writing. But it's been interesting because definitely the first part of my life I had sort of the, classic career and now I do all sorts of strange things like sling drinks in the bar and you know sell sweatshirts and that sort of stuff so it's different okay anything at least it gives you experience that you can write into your stories if nothing else so yeah well I think that you when you break out of um, an environment that it where you're surrounded by a certain type of people all the time and you start doing things where you come into contact with all sorts of different types of people um it just broadens your horizons in uh, in a different way than than pe- people necessarily would seek out. Um, and I've met all sorts of really cool people, really interesting people. People have taken a lot different paths than the people that I would have grown up with and gone to university with. So I think it's been worthwhile. I don't have any real plans to change what I'm doing anytime soon. So, so that kind of brings up the question. So. Did your friends and your family just kind of go, what are you doing? Because you had like the solid, stable job. Because you know, almost everyone is raised to go, you got to get your, this, the career, you got to get the house, blah, 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 blah. And now you're kind of like throwing that out the window, even though yeah. you are chasing your dream, but you're like going from one job to the next and they're, they're like all over the place. Yeah, I would say at first there was definitely a lot of raised eyebrows. Uh-huh. Okay. Nobody could really understand how, you know, after getting all this university education and, and you know, building up the resume that I would um, waitress, uh, why I would want to do that. But I didn't actually mind it. So I don't know. I, I think that once I had the book deal and it became a lot more of a legitimate type career path, people uh, became a lot more accepting. But when I was a non-published writer um yeah there was a lot of people that thought that i was a little bit crazy and i'm sure my parents were <laughs> were they giving you the old 
Are they giving you the stern talking to and saying, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed? Well, no, they would just, you know, I mean, if you're paying all your bills and not living in their basement, how much can they really say? Right? Uh, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a lot different if I'd been, you know, living in a cardboard box with my dog on a shoestring or something like that. But I, you know, figured it all out. It just meant that I had to work harder um, to make it happen. And, you know, it, it just kind of becomes like a, a memory of something that you had to go through in order to get where you wanted to be. Uh, yeah. I definitely don't regret doing it. And it's, uh, it's working out for me. So Paying your dues and all that. Yeah. So, ha, ha, everybody who judged me. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> now, you mentioned you like dragons. So is there any possibility there's going to be dragons in the the next two books or maybe something <laughs> in a series to come because I mean, who doesn't love dragons? Oh, I love dragons. I do. Um, there may have some like guest star appearances of dragons in okay. book two and three, not promising anything. Cause you know, I haven't written them yet. Right. So yes. anything could happen, you know, um, as far as writing a story specifically about dragons, I think, you know, when you like something so much that you feel that if you just, if you tried to do it, you would just screw it up and you'd be really angry with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's me. Okay. Just, yeah. There's too many people who have done it really, really well. And I don't have any ideas that are better than theirs. So I just feel I can't go down that path. Maybe one of these days we'll be inspired by something really, really cool and I'll change my mind, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay. I, I can understand that one. Yeah. Who yeah. wouldn't want their own dragon? Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen the new trailer for Game of Thrones? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dragons getting big. Yeah. Mm. I know. It's, 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 I can't that's wait. A, that's a soup that eats like a meal, that is. And we're just weeks away. It's true. It's getting close. Everybody, the anticipation is in the air. Yeah, I, I got... <laughs> I have season three on DVD and rewatching them just because getting because, well, because I, I, I dragons. <laughs> just so I'm ready for you know that next episode. It's true. <laughs> I think you know the whole world is going to be waiting. <laughs> it's funny how that uh, that show's definitely broken open the fantasy market to people who weren't necessarily thinking that they would ever be fans of the genre. Yeah. So it's good for those of us that write in it because. More fans is good for selling books. Yeah, yeah it kind of paves the way for uh, for pr- uh, perhaps like a television deal or perhaps even uh, advancing into like uh, into like video games. Wouldn't that be cool? You know that that brings a question to mind. If you could choose anyone in the world to living direct, or dead, or living or dead, to direct your movie of Stolen Songbird, they decided, hey, we're going to make this a movie. Who would it be? Wow. Well, I know. I, it's like an obvious choice. Like, I, you know, you'd probably want to say, like, Peter Jackson just because, you know, he's done it well. But okay. I'm not the best with, um, you know, the players on the behind the scenes in, in film. Like, I can list actors and actresses, but as soon as people are like, oh, so-and-so directed this movie and that movie, I never know who they're talking about. So yeah. well, Just name the movie that you really think was directed well and we'll just tell you they're a director. Well, you know, obviously The Lord of the Rings was a really good adaptation because it was pretty true to the book and mm-hmm. 
That's that great. was Peter Jackson, in case you were wondering. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had that one. <laughs> um, I don't know. It would be it's it's hard because um, one of the challenges I think when you this book, Stolen Songbird, is written from first person point of view, so you're really up in her head, uh, and a lot of as much as a you know, fantastical and there's lots of stuff going on that you would be able to portray on a screen. There's a whole lot going on inside her head that it's hard to um, really capture. I think that was one of the things, I mean, I love the hunger games and I love Jennifer Lawrence as everybody does, Mm -hmm. you know, she's awesome. But um, because so much of those books took place in her head and were based on how she was reacting to things and, I think that a lot of that was lost in the film, um, which not that the films aren't amazing, but I think when you compare them to the books, there there's something missing. Yeah, I can understand that one. Yeah, there's almost another uh, another story that's not even being told yeah. in mm-hmm. the movies. So, well, we can always look back to the 80s for movies that tried to teach people what was going on in somebody's head. Those movies are so excellent. I guess, yeah. yeah. But yeah. so I don't know. Like people say, wouldn't it be really cool if your book was made into a movie? And I said, yeah, it'd be really cool if it was made into a movie that didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like that answer because there have been several books. That so, so it's not going to be Twilight, one. and it's not going to be like Ender's Game, or okay, or Aragon, or Aragon. Oh. Oh, I'm there. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully not. That would just be. I think that's when you just have to. <laughs> I don't know, distance yourself, how can you? Your name is in the credits. But, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I, like, you kind of have to, obviously, those are all possibilities. And it's not like you say no, but, mm-hmm. you know, it would be something that you would want to do well because I would be, in my head, highly annoyed if somebody took my story and made it into a really shitty movie. So <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Yeah, if they did, though, just don't go the way of Clive Kessler. I'm just get angry and sue everybody. <laughs> no. No. Uh, no, that's when you just have to put on your stoic face and be like, you know, everybody just did such a fantastic job. I'm just privileged to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, so do you think there's another form of media, perhaps? Um, you know, comic books, video games, or, or, or the likes that might be animated animation that, yeah. could, uh, that could do your, uh, do your work justice then? I kind of like the, there's definitely been a move to do graphic novels out of um, books. I can't draw, so I mean, it's not going to come from my end, but I find it pretty interesting when people, you know, um, when you effectively have a visual representation on paper, but it's still something that, you know, is a little bit imagination driven in the sense that, you know, you're not watching it pan across a screen. So that's interesting, but... Um, not something that I know a ton about um, or have any, I have no art skills. I have zero art skills. I have negative art skills. <laughs> um, so, you know, these are, I guess, are things that, that can happen if you achieve a certain amount of success, but um, you end up thinking so much about, you know, your own medium and um, trying to create, you know, new works that unless, you're involved with doing some of those other things on the side and something that interests you. I don't think it's something that you think that much about, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, but it would be cool. 
So do you do you have the uh, stolen uh, stolen songbird coming out as an audiobook as well? Do you know? Um, it, it will be in the works as to the timing. I'm not exactly sure, but that's another interesting one. Getting who like who reads your book? Yeah, that was actually my next question. Who would you want to read your book? I don't know. It would probably be a woman, just because, and you know, you, she would have to have a, like a young voice because this is a 17 year old girl. So you know, you wouldn't want to have some 50 year old lady. Ah, uh, get Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I understand that's just sort of a side job that a lot of um, actors and actresses do is read audiobooks. Yeah. So. I guess that, you know, you just kind of get into that. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, like, Lily Collins or somebody like that, you know, that has a nice voice and youthful sounding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, hopefully well, hopefully, when it does come out on audiobook, you, you, that wish is fulfilled and we can uh, not have to worry about, I don't know, like uh, Russell Crowe or something. No, it's not. <laughs> Betty White. Yeah, that would be a, a bit of a shock. Yeah, I'd like to see him get through some of those romantic scenes. Betty White co-read, uh, co- co-read by Bobcat Goldwith. <laughs> we want her to be able to make a second book. Yeah. They'd be like, so this is the parody of Stolen Songbird? <laughs> Do you enjoy? This, this is not actually associated with the Songbird uh, anthology uh, and is uh, should be taken as parody and not taken seriously. <laughs> This is not canonical. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty much how that would have to go. Huge I would think it would be funny, though, because I find that sort of thing hilarious. So. Well, nice. thank you so much for joining us. Are you going to be doing any uh, signings or going to be any, uh, be going to any conventions for uh, your our, re- our listeners or your readers to uh, meet you? Um, yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to be at the Phoenix Comic Con nice. um, in June, I guess it would be, and then also it, uh, the one in London at the beginning of July. So I'll be there with my fellow authors from Strange Chemistry. Um, you can see who the person is behind the awkward voice, <laughs> <laughs> and I will write my name on your book, or you know, on a napkin if you don't have a book, or on somebody else's book. You know, <laughs> why not? Yeah. I'll be like, this is a nice cover. I'll just write my name on that with my silver pen. <laughs> And the book comes out what date again? Uh, April 1st in North America and April 3rd in the UK. So April Fool's Day. Yeah, I know. I keep waiting for them to be like, yeah, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That would be horrible. Uh, You know all those interviews we did? Yeah, that was just... So embarrassing for everyone involved, really. (laughs) Uh, we, We look forward to seeing this book on shelves and in Amazon and in hands of readers across the globe. Everyone buy it. Everyone, buy this be book. audible in the future. Yes. No, I, I I have an advanced copy. It's been a great read. It's fun. Uh, I really like the fact that you've taken trolls and done something different from them. Because, you know, like you said earlier, most trolls in all books you read are really slow, large, and awkward and dumb. And no. these trolls definitely are not that. No. Uh, it, it has been great, so... Everyone should buy this book. Everyone. I agree. Go forth. Make Contribute to the Daniel Jensen needs to do her day job. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, contribute to the Daniel Jensen Nisa Quitter Day Job Fund. Is exactly what you need to do. Yes, yes. and wants to feed her dog. <laughs> yes, yeah. So he doesn't need have to eat budget kibble. Yeah, <laughs> he needs he needs freshly cut ra- you know loin uh, in his bowl <laughs> every <days>. night. <laughs> yes, Elmo the Labrador will appreciate it. <laughs> yes. and he needs his massages daily. <laughs> yes. I can see everybody just running forth to fund my particular sad story. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thank you very much. Uh, uh, this was uh, Daniel Jensen, writer of Stolen Songbirds, and we hope to see you again for Stolen Songbirds 2, Dante's Revenge. Yes, that is officially the title. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, and then if, uh, if any of the listeners want to inquire more about any of your other works or find out where you're going to be coming up after the London Con, where can they reach you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, it's D-L-J-E-N-S-E-N underscore or um, on my website, DanielleLJensen.com. And Google will certainly bring me up if, you know, you forget all of the above. There you go. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, Danielle, for being on with us. Um, we look forward to seeing Stolen Songberg on shelves. April great. 1st. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a great night. Buy thank that you. book. <laughs> Buy the book. <laughs> Thanks. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. All righty. All right. That was Danielle Jensen. That's right. Author of Stolen Songbird. Author, April. singer, dancer. Probably not those other two. Gun salesman. Gun, Gun salesperson. Yes. And waitress. No, that's right. April 1st. Go out buy this book. It, it's a fun read. It, it is really a good book. So, um, It is definitely interesting what she's done with trolls. And yeah, The nice thing about YA is you can still be an adult and, and read these books. Mm-hmm. And it's still a good, entertaining book. Usually, yes. Uh, you, you don't have to sit there and feel like you're, you're dumbing yourself down to read these things. So. Yeah. I've read some that actually use the high vernacular in them. So, yeah. All right. All right so. We are going to take a few minutes, uh, take a break. But first, let's talk about Audible. Audible. So, do you like free books? I know you do. Do you like people reading books to you so you can listen to them on your car or on your run? Well, audible.com is your place to go. Just go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio, or even easier, just click on the Audible link on our page, DungeonCrawlersRadio.com, and sign up, and you get a free, that's right, free audiobook for your listening enjoyment. You also get signed in for a monthly book, for a monthly free, uh, cr- for a monthly credit, for only $14, and that is half the price of most books. Or sometimes, like, or sometimes, like, even more than that. That's like almost like a third of the well, price. The Words of Radiance right now is seventy dollars. See, and, and I picked it up for fourteen. You my can 14. get it for fourteen ninety five. So yeah. that is Shoot that is a saving. deal for you. And if you don't want to have to do that, have the the this you know, wonderful yeah. deal and have to pay the fourteen dollars, you can cancel any time, and whatever books that you picked up are yours. Yeah. You don't have to give them back, and they are you have them for as long as somebody knows your password. Well, and not only that, <laughs> not only that, even while you're signed up, you have that free credit. You can still pick up other audiobooks at a discount. Yeah, for a discount. So, yeah, Audible. But, it's yeah. Audible-tastic. 
<laughs> Audible tastic. I love that. All right. <laughs> All right. So coming up after the break, we're gonna have uh, Geek you, news. you have Geek News, Huge Gamer Forge, possibly and an Epic Showdown, and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. We okay. will be back after this short break while we try to stretch our legs and not die. Ragamuffin. We'll be back. Hi, this is Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager and iCarly, and you're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Three, two... Down at the mall is the one who's got it all. The answer to my prayers, just two doors down from Sears. I was surprised... Cause they mostly hire guys She's the girl She's the girl at the video game Card. It's only $15 and it comes with a free magazine subscription. I totally want that. She was nice to me. She's my final fantasy. She's the girl. She's the girl at the video game.
That is all. We're back. Welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where life is happy all of the time. Life is picture. Yeah, we don't sound that happy, do we? I think Joe is confused. We're happy. Now you're just going to like it or not. Now you're just going to creepy. Join us. Wow. Okay, Flagoon has just been uh, lobotomized or something. He's under mind control or something. He's under something. Uh, All right, I'm going to see if I can add Trace. There's nothing wrong with Hypnotoad. Hypnotoad is our friend. What What the heck? Hypnotoad, of course he's our friend. Yes, all right. Let's see if we can get Firebird back on the show because she's been waiting. She's been so patient. But um, they're having connectivity issues there in the land of St. Louis. Um, it is ringing. It's ringing. It's ringing. I I don't think we're gonna get a connection here. We're ringing, we're ringing, ringing and ringing and ringing, ringing some no more. Dice. No, I don't think we're gonna get connected. Still ringing. Yeah, because she. I tried calling like ten times, and she's why, like, "Internet, why then, have you forsaken us?" Yes. All right. <laughs> so we're gonna move forward. All right. So uh, geek news. We should probably do that. No, let's. Should we do a showdown? Do we want to do a showdown? Well, we've got a lot of gamer forges. Should we yeah. skip the, the the showdown because we have so many gamer forges? Yeah, that's All kind right. of a more pressing issue. Then skip. If we got time, we'll 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 hit it. Just because, dang it, we're gonna skip it. Okay. I don't know why. I just want to say that. All right. So. Damn it, Janet. Oh, wait, that's a different show. Yeah, diff- totally different. 
Okay, so oh, I uh, guess genius. that could kind of work for that. That would actually work for my clothes off. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little late. All right, so geek news. Who's got geek news? Anyone got geek news? Oh, something's happened. What things happened? Let's see here. I've got some geek news. Yes, what is it? Hit us first. Oh, I get to hit you guys first? Okay. Line up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, if uh, you happen to live in Germany, this is actually kind of cool. Um, there's actually a life-size Titanfall mech standing by one of the uh, German train stations, towering over everybody. Guh? Yeah. Life-sized statue that uh, was sculpted in California and shipped all the way to Germany. That yeah. look, that game looks yeah. amazing. I, I will say this. My one problem with it is it's online only. See, you I, cannot play offline. What game is this? Titanfall. Titanfall. So it's oh, pretty much yeah. Halo, Call of Duty mixed with giant mechs. Yes. I would play this on the PC, but I would never buy an Xbox One. Yeah. I've got some news about that when, uh, when after that. Awesome. Related news. Okay. So is that, is that it? Or? Well, that was my first one. I'm going to let you guys do others. Yes. Well, okay. We got a round robin. I have so, something talking, speaking of online only. Yes. <clears throat> so um, Keurig, the uh, famous coffee makers that... Uh, or the makers of the famous coffee maker of the same name, uh, have just announced the uh, coffee maker, which is going to be called the Keurig 2.0, which is going to have a uh, technology in it to keep you from using off-brand um, coffee Coffees. cups. Yeah. <laughs> so DRM has made it into your kitchen. Oh, and uh, despite... Um, the widespread negative feedbacks regarding this, uh, Keurig is assuring fans that it is critical for the performance and safety that our new system includes this technology. Because God forbid you wake up bleary-eyed and reach in and grab some no-name brand single-serve coffee cup and put it in your Keurig and you stab yourself in the finger because you're Tired. Uh, are you the world's number one dad? Well, not according to Keurig, you're not. Not yeah. according to Keurig. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, um, so related to the uh, launch of Titanfall came out uh, a couple of days ago. So anyone else who had an Xbox One, I know that's me. Yeah, guess what? The launch of Titanfall crashed Xbox Live. Yep. Yeah, no wonder. Oh, my. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so anyone who uh, anyone who was trying to play it probably had a really hard time doing it because it had a had a glitch in its uh, sign-in screen, so a lot of people couldn't play it on launch day. And then uh, anyone else who was looking to play anything else, including uh, um, including popular apps like uh, Hulu, Netflix, and um, uh, now I can't remember the music program, the music app that they have. Um, but if you're trying to use any of that. Too bad, because you couldn't even sign into Xbox Live. Well, you're not playing Titanfall. What's wrong with you? Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> nubs. Yeah, Microsoft had they had put so much backing behind it that they pretty much shut down everything else to allow to allow for it to allow for the launch, and then still couldn't handle it. So, bravo, Microsoft. Way to do it. Way to go. Good job, Microsoft. Good uh, good job at EA. Way to show us that you really don't care. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
brings a warm fuzzy into my heart, not being able to play the $500 game console that, you know, got as the one thing I wanted for Christmas that has to be online. Hey, you, you <laughs> that, got it. You know, honestly, that part doesn't bug me. Well, no, the, but it does when you can't log into yeah, the servers. That is the part. But the game itself, I got, you know, I tried the beta, I played the beta, and I'm glad that I tried it. You know, so not to, you know, I mean, aside from not being overly impressed with it, you know, I had no problem with the online-only aspect of it, which make and it makes sense for the game that it is. Yeah. For what it for what it is. Nice. But, boy, when you punish other people for not playing it, something's wrong with that picture. Yeah. You know, I feel that Microsoft just keeps fouling up with the Xbox One left and right. So there you go. Yeah, it, it, it comes in waves. Anyways, all right. So uh, we've got the report of what the top. 10 board games for the last quarter have been, as well as the top five RPGs. So uh, starting at number 10, we got Zombicide. Yeah, <laughs> good, good game. Number nine, Eldritch Horror. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number eight, Firefly. <laughs> yeah. Number seven, Pandemic. Yes. Yes. Six, Carsicon. Number five, yes. Small World. Yes. Number four, The Walking Dead. I haven't played that yet. Number three, King of Tokyo. Okay. Number two, Settlers of Catan, still, still? staying up there. Nice. And number one, Ticket to Ride. I like wow. those games. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I mean, those they all make sense, but I'm I'm surprised that those ones rank as high as they do. Yeah. Yeah. I did a I actually well, did a I did a two player game of Pandemic during our uh, a yeah. little a little marathon yeah. thing. This is a fun game. It, oh, it is. Although I like although expansions. Although playing two player is kind of like playing on easy mode. Yeah. I mean, we were not even too. Uh, two turns in, and we already had enough cards for two cures. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, my brain was not functioning properly at that your point. Your brain did not need to be functioning for that game. No. Like we did, it <laughs> was like been. retarded. Oh wait, that's bad. It was special needs. Yeah. easy. <laughs> so, top five role playing games for the last quarter. Number five, Iron Kingdoms. Okay. Okay. Number four, Dungeons and Dragons. They Ouch. used to be number one for years. Now they're at four. Well, they're still they still on a pair on the list. So. Yeah, still on the list. So that's, that's impressive. And we may, given, and maybe that will change with next. But yeah. who knows? Yeah, given the given the problems of uh, four. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think next is going to bump them back up. To number the... three, the Fate Core system. Okay. Number two, Star Wars. Okay. From Fantasy Flight. Yeah. Number one, Pathfinder. Wow, who did this list? Uh, this is just based off of sales. Okay, based purely off of sales? Purely off of sales. Huh, okay. I would think that Pathfinder would not have been that high. Yeah. Based on sales, it's uh, number one. Huh. So, yeah, both lists were Surprise. based off, purely off of sales. Wow. Instead of just some group putting together. Well, this was my opinion on what was the best game because the mechanic was this, that, and the other. Yes. But if you're looking, yeah, purely on a quantified measurement, yeah. then there yeah. you go. All right. Next. So, uh, you guys may be wondering what I'm doing in the cave besides playing with a new version of the website I'm working on. I'm actually playing with an Epic Citadel in my browser. If anybody knows what that is, that is uh, the demo uh, sort of game where it's like to show you what to be honest, real engine uh, 3 can do. Whatever's going on in the background is like overpowering your voice. There shouldn't be anything going on in the background. There is some weird yeah, funky yeah, noises. Some, yeah, it almost sounded like you were listening to like 
Bach or some like period music. Yeah, chamber really? music. Yeah. Period. Oh, because I don't have anything going on. Huh? Okay, now you sound fine. Now you so, sound okay. Weird. What what is Citadel? Weird. Okay, so um, besides uh, living in a cave, I uh, also was work- just demonstrating. Well, for myself mostly, playing with the uh, Epic Citadel. For those that have played with it on the uh, iPhone and iPad, it's the demonstration of how Unreal Engine three can be used even in a browser now. And they're working on getting the Unreal Engine 4 in the browsers. So you can expect to have games like uh, Bioshock Infinite running out of your browser in the huh. future. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Huh. So good. What do you got? Well, uh, Sony has announced that, that it's confirmed that uh, Jack Trenton is stepping down as CEO of, uh, as president, uh, president and CEO of uh, SCEA. So... Huh. He will be uh, taking uh, uh, taking off. Really? Any news of a replacement yet? Uh, it looks like uh, Layden. Uh, I'm just getting his last name. Yeah, Lay, uh, a, a gentleman named Layden. Layden. Mr. Layden is now Mr. taking Layden over the company. Now calls for the PlayStation <laughs> Four. <laughs> so if we suddenly have craziness happen, it's his fault. Yes. Or All perhaps right. things, or perhaps we actually start getting decent games for this. Awesome new next generation that requires things. That's the one thing that just didn't impress me about the PlayStation 3 is it just didn't really have any good titles. The PlayStation 3 and the Xbox and the Xbox haven't really had that one definitive title that I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold for next year when Mistborn comes out. Honestly, I, I thought there were a lot of good titles in the PS3, but... You know. Well, the, the PlayStation 3 has got a, a lot of good titles now, and so does the uh, Xbox 360. But, you know, this, the this four and current, the one. Uh, the current yeah, generation one. that's out now, there's just there's there's not really I much. mean, Titanfall is Titanfall possibly, was, but yeah, the fact Titanfall that it's all there. online, it's just, yeah. It's, yeah, that's, what I've seen that, as a gameplay, it, it looks like it would be a fun game, other than, yeah, it's all online. I don't know well, how yeah. you can deliver it's, any it's sort of... Call of Duty with robots. Yeah, well, it's Call of Duty Halo with robots. Yeah, really. Call of Duty Halo with and robots. You, no, Halo's being too nice. But that is. That's being way too nice. <laughs> but the other thing and is, parkour. is you still have campers. You know, <laughs> I've talked to several people that have played it and you still have people that camp out and snipe you. And well, it's just, certain strategies just work. Yeah, and it's just... There's a reason why you do yeah. that. And it's because... Look you're at a jerk. My, look at my kill. Uh, yeah. It's not your jerk. It's just you, you figured out an uninventive way to uh, rack up kills. They, they need to come up with some way that you can just... You spawn and you can't just die. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. spawn killing's stupid anyway. All right. Oh, well. Joe. So, uh, speaking of the PlayStation 3, uh, see here, the, uh, the British BAFTA Awards for video games were delivered last week. And no big shocker, uh, P- uh, PS3... Uh, huge title, The Last of Us, Cleaned House, and winning uh, winning uh, best game and best uh, best voiceover performance for Ashley Johnson. Yay! Yeah, so good. So, on them. suck it, one lady who sued because oh, they look she looks way too much like me, and go buy two soul two souls because it's crappy game. <laughs> Beyond two souls. Elizabeth Page. Yeah, Ellen Page. Ellen I mean, Page. I mean. Great actress, but man, she chose the wrong company to be behind on well, that one. Well, yeah, that's that's Quantanic Dream. Like they they did really good with with Heavy Rain. That was one of my top fives, and that was a great game. But but uh, it mm. was 
the what they did with uh, two soul beyond two souls it There's took too the, out there. it took the game away and it was just yeah it was too far out there and uh, you know there it, it, it suffered from way too many problems there's no real reason for story te- for telling the story the way they were, and there was really no point to the story at the end. So, good job, Last of Us. Good job, Naughty Dog. You guys rock, dude. Yeah, they they cleaned house. Um, uh, Rockstar was finally awarded the uh, BAFTA Fellowship Award for Lifetime Achievement. Uh, it's pretty much the first time that they've ever given a BAFTA award to a group of people. Okay. All uh, I believe that's like 93 employees received the award for right. it. So for uh, but they won it for Grand Theft Auto Five for you know basically being a game that everyone and their mother has at least played at some point. Um, I apparently am not one of those people. So <laughs> <laughs> I get for living in the cave. Yeah, but we need to get a better power supply for you. We should get you hooked up on that. And then yeah, uh, we'll, finally, we'll get you we'll get you another extension cord eventually. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you a power strip. And then uh, lastly, PlayStation, uh, a PlayStation Vita title, Tearaway, uh, took home three awards for best mobile game. Good. There you go. Wow, PlayStation racked up. They, yeah, they cleaned house. They cleaned house. They absolutely suck at Xbox. They're going to be getting a lot more independent titles soon on the PS4, too, because Xbox turned them down. All right. Yep. So, Game of Thrones, everyone's waiting for it. Everyone's excited. Yeah. Uh, the showrunners, uh, David, David Benoff and Dan Weiss, have been uh, holding press conferences. Pretty much, they know where this will end. So, uh, season four is the midpoint. Yay! <laughs> the we mid are, point. we, yes. When this ends, <laughs> so we are know. halfway through so, the series. So, so there are, are eight they seasons. they know how, how like, the, the, the actual whole story arc is they going have to been end, talking or just the, no. this season. No, they've been talking to George R. R. Martin. They know how it will end. Wow. They have the end point. I didn't even think George R. R. Martin knew how he was going to end it. I don't think he was going to. Yeah, well, I think gonna end it. Well, I don't think he does, but I think with their help, they've made an end point. With their with yeah. their help, he's like it's it's that's great, George. Yeah, we we, we need to know more about <laughs> these people's backgrounds and what they ate for ate for breakfast. But we need to finish this. Yeah. So uh, basically, they sat down with Martin, and they went through the planned fate of every character in the series. So uh, they know how it's going to end. Oh, I bet they're going to be tight-lipped uh, about that one. Yeah, they're, they're going to. That, that, that's all they're going to say. But uh, season four kicks off April 6th, so less than a month away, folks. Yes. Oh, boy! I know. Yay! All righty. Well, I can't wait to see Joffrey die. We need to wrap this. We, yeah, we, we probably call this the end of the Geek News because we have Gamer Forge a plenty to hit. Yeah, my only story that was after this was really just kind of like a editorial. I've been trying to play Dungeon Lord or Dungeon mm-hmm. Command or whatever. No, the, Dungeon Keeper. Yeah. yeah. And not pay any money. And holy crap, it is sucked. it boring. Dungeon Keeper <laughs> was a really fun game. Oh, it was amazing. I, I have it, but the app version is horrible unless you want to spend money. Like it sucks. Of dollars. I mean, literally, yeah. you can only get two imps, and it takes forever to get in any gems to get a third imp. Because well, the third imp is 800 gems. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. So Dude. All I want to say is for companies out there that make these games where you have to spend money to play them, you guys are idiots. EA. <laughs> well, it's EA. A, it, it, free to play is a good mom. 
It it makes yeah. money. Yeah. But when you're doing things like what EA is doing and what Square does, yeah. it is taking advantage of your consumer. Oh, it is. The last oh, it's going to get worse from EA, too. In the, early, the late 70s, early 80s, when the arcade market crashed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like several years later when a little Japanese company, a little card company from Japan, mm-hmm. came out with a little little gaming system called the Famicom. Which became your Nintendo, Which became folks. huge. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, that's what's going to happen if we continue along this this line. Yeah, that and you know user user developed you know preseason passes where you're selling you know full prices for a game that isn't even finished yet, mm-hmm. letting people play a game have to pay to play a game that isn't even done. Yeah, so yeah. that was what I was going to talk All about. Right. That's well, why a lot of people and I did were... talk about it. Well, so yeah, we need to get off this subject. What do the game to Game Forge? Yep, it's Sorry, time. Folks. Just because okay, we got 35 ping, minutes ping, and we got to get through seven. All right, so here we go. So we're going to start with Jonathan Rivers. Hello, Jonathan Rivers. Welcome Jonathan. to the Gamer Forge. I was reading a post online that there is a large debate on the effectiveness of using experience points as a means to level up for D&D next. I want to start using a non-XP method of advancement in my game, but want to understand the exact changes I may see in play. For anyone... Here, who has an alternative to XP in their campaign that participated in a means to level up? One, was this new way to level brought about by players or the GM, and for what reason? Two, did you see any change in behavior from players, i.e. problem-solving to achieve the objective through stealth, diplomacy, response like that, over killing whatever moves, and did the... the change meet your initial expectations, or did it end up being a good or bad change? What are the effects of removing the XP system as a requirement to level, especially on the player's in-game activities? Any experience you have on using an alternative to XP in actual play would be helpful. Oh, I know that was a long, I, drawn out. The question I, is fine. I did a uh, a small like, homebrew version mm-hmm. that kind of took away from experience. It was uh, it was. A very rudimentary rifts campaign. Okay. It wasn't actually based in the Palladium's rifts, but I was using mechs and mm-hmm. fighters, and I had to create a whole new core, like rule set, so you weren't doing, you know, one d twenty times a thousand points of damage to do any sort of damage <laughs> yeah. to to these things. Yeah, way to go, mega damage. Yeah. So I kind of retweaked the rules, and one of the things you could do to offset your character's piloting ability was to buy upgrades. And, you know, it was, a, it was an economy-based level system, basically. So I limited the player's ability to get better gear by making it more expensive. And that just made the player's... Basically, not want to play <laughs> to, to pay for experience. Yeah, while we were on the subject of microtransactions. Yeah, I, I actually did a little bit of microtransactions. <laughs> a, a player could get a uh, a new uh, targeting commu- com- computer, which simulated the actions of a level ten fighter, uh, but they had to pay me ten dollars in uh, in gem cash, which uh, costs uh, twenty dollars in real do- real money. Nice. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm. I'm playing Hollow Earth right now, and there is not a leveling up. You do not level up with experience points. 
However, you can cash in those experience points to modify your skills or augment your abilities or purchase talents and resources. So kind of like Final Fantasy X almost. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So, and of course, to increase those, you know, it, to go from a 2 to a 3 is more expensive or is less expensive than going from a 3 to a 4. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense. And so basically your character is who he is. He's not getting any smarter or, you know, as far as how the leveling system like D&D works, but you're using that experience to purchase those skills. So, you know, so it's merely an application of what, what the experience does, not a matter of Yeah. So I mean like, uh, you know, measurement. in one night's play, I may earn enough to increase one of my skills up one point. You know, and I don't have to wait till oh, I get to level up and then I get to level up all these other things. I as I'm playing, I can manipulate things each gameplay, which makes it fun. But it also makes earning experience points a lot slower. Or but it does encourage uh, a lot of role play. Because if you play your character how it's supposed to, or you know play your flaw or your talents correctly, you know the the, the, the game GM master will, will is encouraged to give you more experience points for that. So it it really is advantageous in yeah, that to system get in the game. to get into that your character and get into the game because then you're earning more XP than you would if you just played you know your regular fighter that just went through and duked out a couple of goblins and they're done. There's a, there's a few other game uh, program, uh, mechanics out there mm-hmm. that don't actually even have experience. Uh, the Firefly game by Margaret Weiss, you know, as, you know, as well as most of her games, really don't have an experience no, system. it's all story-based. It's, it's all story-based. So, you know, when we You're were playing with Craig, lines. I was playing Jane, and whenever I said something that was particularly Jane-like or did something that was totally off-the-wall, com- completely awesome... Mm-hmm. I would get a chip thrown at me, and that was a plot point that I yeah, could use later on. Yeah, a plot point that you could use later on. I uh, didn't use any of them, and I had like a whole stack of them. I'm like, oh, man, I should have yeah. used these. Well, Iron Kingdom's very similar. You, know, you burn off experience for other things. So, uh, no, I, I really think if you're going to get rid of the XP, maybe make it so they can purchase. You know, still give them XP, but they're using it to purchase skills or feats. Um, or, you know, maybe you just say, after so long, okay, you leveled up. You know, you don't really have to give them out XP. You just no, say, just okay. Like just say at the end, of, yeah. just be like, okay, we're going through this dungeon and blah, 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 blah. You kill this. It. And uh, at the end of this dungeon, you kill, kill, the, you kill this <laughs> yeah. bad guy. And uh, everybody's all level four now. Yeah. I mean, just do it something like that. You I, do something like that. Because honestly, we, I mean, we can all debate about this on but, and on. But. Yeah. But. But. See, here's the thing, though. Is because the game, uh, the game especially, uh, well, they use Dungeons and Dragons as the prime example. Okay. The one that sort of started it all. Is the thing is, is because the game quantifies everything, including attributes such as strength, constitution, wisdom, uh, uh, your defenses, including armor class, reflex, uh, fortitude, stuff like that. That's all quantified. That has to be put into a number to become a game. And so, in order to gain, to advance. Such uh, to advance those other quantified values, you have to have some uh, an equally quantified uh, system, something that says, you know, I am worth this much, or I have done this much worth of deeds to to uh, justify becoming this much better. And so, to completely eradicate an experience system, I think would be kind of 
Yeah, I don't, Artie? I really don't think you'd be able to completely eradicate an experience system. Something more of like, you know, how uh, the, the game that Revan's playing where your experience doesn't just go toward, it, it's not going to go toward the level and you don't mm-hmm. get gain levels uh, or typical levels. You just gain, you know, you know for the, you, you, know, things you, you start off with a game and then, you know, to get 10 more health, it's going to cost a thousand experience. Yeah. To gain one intelligent, it's going to cost 20,000 experience. Yeah. To gain this spell, you're going to have to spend this much experience. And yeah. that's, you know, you're going to have to, you know, do some do some calculations and figure out like yeah. you know how much a how much experience one level two spell is going to cost a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, anything involving the Unisystem, system, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is actually one of my favorites. That has a system very similar to that where you gain experience almost point by point, and then you cash it in at a certain rate to advance skills as you see fit. And in so a way that kind of makes it so that the experience is in its is in effect. Its own currency. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Um, Hero uh, Fifth Edition and Sixth Edition also use the same thing, although it's much more math heavy. So after you make your initial purchases, then you have to redo the math. If, like you say, you wanted to have a flash grenade, and it's worth so many points. Well, if you want to make your flash grenades better, well, then you have to redo the math and figure out the difference, so that way they can actually get that much better. If you want so, to make your flash grenades thirty-four percent better, times by pi divided by the square root of 67. <laughs> there you go. That's actually a pretty... Adjusting, all right. adjusting pretty for simple. windage. I think we've... <laughs> I think we've I killed, this killed this one. That's it. All right, so Nathan, one down, six to go. Nathan Robertson right Nathan there. Robertson, welcome to the Gamer Forge. I'm about to start running a game for a completely new group. I've been playing D&D for over a decade and have a lot of experience as a DM, but my group is completely green. Okay. I believe one person has played a little bit in the past, but not 4th edition, and the other players have never played a tabletop RPG before at all. I'm having a planning meeting this weekend to get everyone together, discuss the game, plan out a schedule, manage expectations, fill out themes and elements that interest the players, and get them thinking about characters they'd like to play. One of my players has asked if there's anything they should read ahead of time to prepare. I've looked at the official Wizards Quick Start Guide, and the What is D&D page, but while they're okay, I came away unsatisfied. The Quick Start Guide is a little too rules-heavy, and the What is D&D section is a little light on actual content. I'd love someone a little more human, and I'm looking for suggestions of reading materials that these new players, mostly to introduce them to the idea of uh, playing a tabletop RPG and to introduce them to the fundamentals of D&D in particular. A little bit like introducing or the introduction to 3.5 uh, Dendermeister Guide, but aimed at the players instead of DMs. I'm perfectly willing to comply the useful bits of, from multiple sources, including you guys. FYI, uh, something that satisfies some of these requirements satisfies me. Thanks. Smiley okay. face. I say, smile, throw everything you've already read away, and just have fun. I mean, yeah, really... Don't... I would say I think you're go rules light, go rules very light, have them roll up a character sheet, just basic stats, don't go too heavy into feats or, or, or those, those sort of things, and then just, just let them start playing their characters. Let them, let them shop as their characters and buy their gear. Well, I, I, you can watch any fantasy movie out there, and you're kind of getting an idea of what's going on in the... 
you should see in this. I mean, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings. You know, those are just super glorified versions of what a campaign could be. Um, any fantasy movie out there, any yeah. any science fiction movie out there can be your what your, your, your game yeah, can be. What your game can be. No, I would even I'd even say better. Your game can be better. Yeah, really. Than that. I mean, let's let's take a, a an example. Paul Janess, friend of ours, we've had on the show multiple times. His three books of the Iron Dragon series uh, and the other two that are going to be coming out are literally his campaign that he ran with his friends, that he just turned into a book, masterfully, I, I would say. Um, so there is the possibility that your story could become an epic tale that could be a book. Hell, it oughta. So um, I, I think with 4th edition currently, it is rules-heavy. There is yeah. no way to give someone something that is light reading to play that edition. <laughs> yeah, um, that is, that's, what, that's what I got out from when I was trying you to know, play. Th- the best example is, oh, you want to know how this runs? Go play World of Warcraft. I mean, really. Yeah. Um, that would be not inaccurate. Otherwise, I would just simply state this, you know, you will sit down as your character, you will have the opportunity to craft the story that I am telling. I will give you the narrative, and your character affects how that narrative goes. And that's for every character at the table. Because even though, you know, me as a DM, I've written this story, that story doesn't go the way I write it. Because every player at that table manipulates and changes that storyline. Tracy Hickman says, when the DM gives you the choice of only A or B, choose column C. Yes. Always. Or even G. Yeah. So, I like do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think there is a good answer for this one. Yeah, because, I mean, really, because what I'm getting, Nathan, here is that you're asking, what is an RPG? Because, boy, that is, I mean, that's an easy question to answer because it is the idea of pretending to be someone else with, within the confines of a, of a rule system. Because there does have to and be... And the story. Yeah. With the, because, I mean, there does have to be a way to make that a game somehow. You know, you can't just, you know, start flinging pieces and money onto a Monopoly board and then just expect something to come out of it. Dude, you know, there has, awesome. to be, there has to be some structure. Monopoly the RPG. We should do that. <laughs> Why haven't we done it? I don't see how You're any... going to jail. No, I'm not. I got to get out of jail free, guys. I am too big to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, something like that. Although Lord it would be kind of interesting believe. to see somebody try to role play as a symbol. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I see. My, I have Muppets Monopoly, so I could totally do oh, it. Yeah, you could do that. Or, or animals actually, don't actually, go here's no. What do. Here's what you do: you take those particular icons that are there, and that is what you are actually a billionaire. Ooh. That's where you oh. made your original billions. All right. Is you know you have the symbol. You were in textiles. Yeah. You have the battleship. <laughs> you built. Weapons for the military. Yeah. Okay. Ironing, you own sweatshops. Nice. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, dog. I think you, we're making uh, a new version of Chinese restaurant. We're making a new version of Monopoly. Oh, uh, wait, wait. Yep. I, I, I said something. Dungeon Crawlers Radio is not <laughs> legal. Is, uh, the, the views... Does, re- uh, does not Dungeon Crawlers Radio does not condone the views or expressed opinions of Lagoon. <laughs> if you have any complaints, 
please email Flagoon at Flagoon at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com and express all of your hatred, anger, and please, I like hate mail at him. I love hate yes, mail. I want to get your hate mail. <laughs> yes, he does. Send it. All right. I, I think we're done with this one. Let's move to the next one. Just because we're yeah, running. So sorry we couldn't have a more clear definition for you. Yeah, I, I just... But that's just kind of what... Yeah, that's just what it is. That's what it is? Yeah, fourth is just rules heavy. All right. Sorry. Jim Norville. Jim Norville. Is it ever okay to have a dice roll made during a character gen uh, to kill or cripple a character before they are played? I know in certain systems, this is almost true if you are really unlucky at rolling, uh, e.g. anything with rolled attributes. Personally, I really dislike rolls during character generation in any okay. system, but I have it's an okay. idea for a system it's where okay. random chances ooh, feel ooh, right. Ooh, go ooh, ahead. Ooh, ooh, go, ooh, go. Ooh, pick Vander. Yeah, right? We're picking Joe. We're picking Joe on this one? Yeah, pick Joe. Because yes. his hand is like flying in the air really yes. quickly. After, he was like I, dislocating his shoulder. Because I wanted to raise my hands. If I had more than two hands, I would have risen, risen all, like all three. Yes. So, uh, so Jim, yes, it is absolutely okay to have something like this happen. Um, you'll find this commonly in the uh, what is it? The Traveler system, the Traveler D20, and the Traveler, I believe it's called Traveler 2300, where part of character creation involves detailing your entire career. Uh, starting from the age of 18 on. So you can easily go to college and, you know, get your degree in something, or you could be sent to the front lines of war and not come back. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> After all, my character, oh, I, I joined the army. I'm going to be an awesome fighter. I'm going to be awesome. Oh, nope, you died. I went to the war. Oh, that's freak. I'm going to have, like, scars and stuff, and I'm going to be, like, all grizzled. And I died. I was thinking about this Rip. as soon as I read that question. I'm like, yes, <laughs> it is entirely okay to have stuff like that happen. That's part of uh, the uh, the creation storytelling. process. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the storytelling. I'm going to add a little caveat. If you're playing with a bunch of greenies, it's probably not a good idea to throw them into that to begin. Well, no, this is a completely separate question. Yeah, yeah. This is, no, 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 I, I know okay. it's a separate okay. question. I'm just okay. saying that's a little caveat. If you're playing with people that are brand new, probably not a good idea to throw them into that. Good idea, pool. yeah. Because I played a game where my initial constitution was, I think... I think it was like six. <laughs> totally milked Yeah, My character was already getting minuses at the get-go of my health. You're like that scrawny pale kid in The Simpsons. Yeah. Like... And fortunately, my, my, my GM let me, <laughs> let me at least have a maximum health roll, because we were actually rolling for health every individual level. Mm-hmm. And I rolled a two, oh. and my negative was a two. Oh. I like, so my character starts off dead. It's like, <laughs> what's your minus? Two. two. Okay, you start off with six hit points. Minus my two, I have four. Yes. Great. Oh. And my character kept on, uh, was able to do kept wishes. Kept on, on. Which, uh, you know, uh, back then, the, one of the, the attributes, it lowered your constitution. Mm-hmm. So my character kept on losing constitution. Oh. And she ended up getting, like, a constitution of three. Oh. She was invalid. She was right on the cusp of uh, not being playable. Well, she was not very playable from the get-go. Yeah, this is why I say standard score race. This is why why you have a lot of uh, followers that carry your (laughs) palanquin. Oh, you do that regardless of your constitution. Well, if it was like... Of course. If it was Shadowrun, you'd be riding around in a uh, wheelchair, the electric wheelchair, yeah. and try to beat people with the, you know, whatever you had. 
Get back here, you kid. So I think we answered another one. Yes. <laughs> yep, I found. We did. That now. one is out three. All right. Four. I think we're on four. Sarah. Four. All right. Let's see. Yeah, so Sarah, yeah, Sarah writes to us. Sarah McDonald. Oh, I didn't finish the rest of his thing. But that's okay. I, I think yeah. we finished it. We yeah. still finished it. Because it. it was just like a DM conversation. Yeah. So Sarah McDonald or McDonald. So, yeah. uh, these are starting to get a lot along. We're a little uh, short on time. Yeah. If you know the exact question, just do the question. If we need anything, any other the flavor we'll text, well, we will go back to it. We all have written copies. All right. So okay. um, she just so I've written, recently found out about the yet unreleased fire. Fly RPG, what's currently available, Echoes of Serenity, uh, Echoes War, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see. It is clearly stated that the Serenity crew is necessary for any of the adventures to be functional. I found no Cortex plus core rulebook, so I'm hoping these two would suffice. What is not clear to me, is it sufficient besides one of the adventures? Uh, can you run, so, so basically, kind of can you run any of the adventures with a homemade crew? Yes, we've been doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have. Oh, man. <laughs> so the, the core rule books for this game won't be out till April. So since, um, I, since I had to leave, yeah. what happened to the, uh, to the politician that I... <laughs> uh, he, be, he was the uh, agent that everyone was hunting down, and he, they did not capture him. Oh. Yeah. Dang, I had Ooh. him in my grasp. Uh, however, uh, you, yes. uh, Chris's character... Alan's character and Jane got a nice new shiny ship with a full weapon system and flew off. And oh, right. everybody else to die. Left everyone else behind. <laughs> um, Just like my character. Yeah. So, so honestly, we we started up a game. No one is actual part of the Serenity crew. They have their own separate ship. Uh, it does have pre-gen characters in there that you can use. Yeah, which is solely for ease. Yeah. And there's also a sheet out there for you to make your own character. Yeah. How, so, yeah, you can... Yes, the answer is yes, you can do these stories without the cast. However, if you are just picking up the, the, uh, the stories, they do not have characters in them because it's assuming that you at least have you the have Gen the, Con exclusive one, yeah. which... I think they just recently pulled because the book will be coming out soon. Yeah, real soon. So if you don't have that, you might be in a bit of a pickle. Otherwise, it's coming out in April. Uh, I know it was supposed to come out in March. It got pushed back. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been talking to Margaret because I'm waiting for my copy because I did buy a copy. Um, Because it has much more character creation rules in there as well as creating different ships, which I'm really excited about. So, really, if you don't have that book, you might be out of a luck a little bit, unless you can find someone that has one out there. But, yeah. So there yeah. you go. There's your answer, Sarah. There's, there's your answer. Hopefully. Yes, it is entirely yes. sufficient. Yes. Henry Johnson. Henry I'm Johnson. I'm being a fourth edition game, and one of my players is going to be playing a rogue paladin hybrid and wants to take the Death Blade at his 11th level feet, but only if it would affect his... Uh, virtuous his, strike. Virtuous strike. Would it? I'm generally thinking no, but I'm still not sure about it. And then you guys can see the rest of that information. Yep. <laughs> nope. No, it would not I've, affect I've, it. I've already, yeah, because I, I was reading through this uh, well, on the break. Then we're done. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the <laughs> quick one. Yes, unfortunately it will, or no, it unfortunately will not affect your virtuous strike. Virtuous strike affects armor class. Um, when you make a uh, death blade, you can target, you can choose either armor class or reflex. But you can't make Virtuous Strike not a versus AC attack. It specifically states you're using your Charisma versus Armor class. Awesome. So, sorry, 
but no cigar. I love the fact that we just answered that in one answer. No, I love we. I love the fact that we have the love the fact that we have a walking core rules Dictionary. encyclopedia. <laughs> we have two left. I, just I know we are just buzzing through these, and we still got twelve no. minutes left. All right, so Good, because I, I picked a particularly long quote today. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Freddie Wilcox. Freddie right Wilcox, welcome to the Dungeon Pro. What was? <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. All right. Go. The question then. Uh, let's see. The question is whether a rogue or a druid can use shield bath without the apparent negative four penalty due to non-proficiency. One may think that even though the weapon proficiency of a rogue or a druid may not include light or heavy weapon or heavy shields in their weapon proficiencies list, the fact that they have shield proficiencies entitles them to this proficiency. What about a cleric who is uh, explicitly stated to be proficient in simple weapons only? As you know, both types of shields are treated as martial weapons for a shield bash maneuver. So is there any clear wording uh, to this anywhere? The question would be for 3.5 edition and Pathfinder both. Although I suspect there'd be any, there wouldn't be any difference for no, this. No, not really. All right. Wow. Uh, all right. As far as hit us with some science, druid or a rogue, you can still take the uh, the proficiency. proficiency. I don't see why a rogue it costs would be more using anything to get a to use a shield though. Maybe this rogue just really likes beating people up with shields. Yeah, maybe they watch Captain weapon. America and they're like, like really. Yeah. I can think of a thousand other things I would rather spend my points on well, than true. shield bash. But maybe. I'm sorry. Well, this is a really good opportunity. But it is a good opportunity to create a very unique character yeah. of a rogue who uses shields. Yeah. Um, you know, sit down with your DM. I maybe can't think he can of help. any reason why they wouldn't be. Or I can't. Re- I, I my answer would be they would still be getting the penalty because that's not part of their class. Well, as long as they have the feet. Yeah. Then there's no penalty. Okay. Yeah. And so can you can it. pick up that feat. Yeah. It's a, 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 so one if, of the third level if bonus they can, feats. If yeah. they can pick up that feat, they can use it. You yeah. know, at third level, you of get course. a bonus feat. Take that as your yeah. feat. And there you go. Your rogue or your druid okay. bashing people with a shield. You have a rogue that can bash people with shields. Good job. You know, yeah. you do bring a good point. Know, yeah, Why? Stabbing people, which is the whole point of being a rogue. I know. Yeah. Or clubbing people with a sap or a quarter staff. Yeah. Which is the point of being a druid. Yeah. Well, maybe he wants a wooden shield, or, or which he can then effectively cast his magic upon and make it whatever that or, or, or whatever. perhaps this rogue has like a, a like a glaive or a glaive or something that has like a little small shield on yeah. it, yeah. and he wants to like yeah. hit people with it. That would be like that's a very circumstantial character. Or yeah. maybe 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 his shield he ha he has a a a dagger or a blade of some sort, you know, kind of welded to it, and he can stab. Or shield bash. I don't know. There's some options. Okay. okay. It could be a small buckler. But, yeah, that seems, like, pretty specific. Yeah. I w- honestly, you can pick it up as a feat because, you know, 3-5, yeah, Pathfinder, nothing there's yet. nothing preventing you from that other than you pick it up at a point where you're allowed to get pick up a feat. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's character creation, talk to your GM. Or yeah. DM well, and let me see. I though. believe you can just take at any level. You, you, can, you take it at first level. As long as you, you yeah, as long as you have the, the a feet slot open, you know, yeah. you can you talk to him and say, hey, do uh, this is what I want to do, and so, I'm taking it. So answer yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. As long as you take the proficiency, then it, you're good. Should yeah. we go to uh, Norman Gray now? Uh, yes. Well, Norman Gray, Cincinnati. Norman Gray. Norman Gray, you are our final game of four. Welcome to the Dragon 
What does the plus three and plus two mean in relation to uh, his weapon? Are these magical enhanced weapons? Also, how do you calculate the damage from these weapons? I'm assuming there was supposed to be more, but he didn't put it there. However, this is really simple. So anytime there is a plus and a number, that means it is a magical weapon. Yeah. And the plus is Just the plus to your to... attack roll and your damage roll. There you go. Yeah. Uh, hence enhancement bonus. You got to remember that there's the key words of what kind of bonus is it? Is yes. it a magical bonus? Is it a uh, um, see? There's the mess. You get the automatic plus one for being a master crafted item. Um, well, that's only uh, plus to attack. To, to attack. That, yeah, that's all yeah, you get. Yeah. And it, that does not stack along with the magical bonus. It just Correct. Su- the magical bonus supersedes that. Yes. So, yeah, that's all it does. It uh, increases the attack you know, and damage. So if you have a plus two flaming sword, well, you have plus a, two to attack, plus two to damage, and then you have fire damage after that. Yay, fire damage. Which is normally a d6. Mm-hmm. Which just like it, it adds more to the, to, the, to the roll. You're just like, okay, add this to that because of that. Add uh, this because of that, add this because of that, and now my roll of six is a damage of 20. Yes. Yeah. That it's, would be it. Right on the dot. It all comes down to the flavor text. One plus one plus two plus one is four. No, that's one. No, I wanted to see one if you'd actually count it out. Plus, <laughs> one plus two plus one plus one <laughs> plus two plus one plus two one. Now I've got you wondering if you're right. <laughs> no, it, it was okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> you started counting. It's awesome. Uh, All right. Yeah, we're done. I mean, even with the, seven out even, of the way, even with the slightly cut off question because I'm pretty sure there's more going on with this but I, I think we got the, the gist of it is at the bottom yeah we got and the, watch this is like something completely different it's like he's, he's asking about constitution bonuses or something <laughs> well then why is he saying magically enhanced weapons just to throw oh, us off yeah. it's a yeah. red herring alright would you like the red herring or what's in the box no, choose Mrs. Ever. Weaver I picked the box you it's choose the box <laughs> The red snapper, very tasty. Yes, I know it's a red snapper, but he said red herring, so I went with it. All right. So. Who said red herring? You did. I didn't say herring. Yes, you did. Okay. Yeah, probably not on purpose, but that's okay. Sold! All right. Okay, so. We are done. With that one being said, so uh, special thanks to uh, Danielle Jensen for being on with us tonight. Uh, Pick up her new book. April Um, 1st. That's right. April April Fool's Day. And don't be a fool, because it'll be a great book to pick up. Yeah, so pick up Stolen That is Conquer. the only non-April Fool joke that is going to be there. Is, yes. It is a great book. And by and, the sequel, uh, was uh, let me bring that up here, it would be uh, Stolen Songbird 2, Blades on Fire. <laughs> All right. Yeah! That's not what better. it called it. <laughs> it should be Trolls on Fire, but that's okay. Trolls on Fire. <laughs> Trolls on Fire. Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, we'd also like to thank uh, our uh, sponsors, Epic Puzzle and Games, here in West Valley City, Utah. Woo, so they're look, look up... Uh, NB Design Studios! Yes! That's what I was trying to get to. NB Design Studios. Uh, uh, contact Nate. Uh, well, first off, thank you, Nate, for taking care of our logo work. And if you need any work you've done yourself, just look up nbdesignstudios.com or find them on Facebook. Talk to Nate, he'll get you set up. Uh, yes. your t-shirts and yes. your banners. And for those of you that want an awesome t-shirt, if you want an awesome shirt, our booster is still going on. 
Just days left. Just yep. days left, and there are plenty uh, left for you to uh, a time. get your grubby hands, yeah, your, your, your wonderful dungeon crawling hands on for only $15 plus shipping and handling. Yep. Uh, yeah. And it uh, reserves your seat at the cool kids table. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, you're going to be like the gel, the... the, the we we almost need like... Oh, I wish I could be like that guy. We almost need a trailer that goes, in a time when the geeks were cool. You needed your Dungeon Crawlers radio t-shirt, and where were you? Out in the cold. In the rain. No umbrella. And a shirt, because you didn't buy one. Let's work on me getting uh, laryngitis, and we can do that trailer. (laughs) Go to booster.com forward slash DCR. Yes. I made it nice and short for you, just because I hate typing long things. And and if you buy this, it will give you a plus two to your charisma, guaranteed. It is. I think I think the next round, I'm actually going to put on the back plus two to pimping. Plus <laughs> two pimping checks. Yes. All right. Uh, although, although one thing, when I when I make my uh, my AR, I want to have laser etched on the side plus two to BA. Nice. So when people ask me what BA, I can be badass. Yep. All right. Tune in next week as we will have the uh, game designers of Crafty Games in to talk about all the wonderful games that they do, like Fantasy Craft, the Mistborn RPG, Little Wizards, and so much more. So many more awesome, fun games for you and yep. your family and friends to play. Yes. Just because it's Which awesome. I've, I've actually been re-listening to the Mistborn mm-hmm. books. I actually got Mrs. Flagoon into them now. and. Yeah, she's I'm she, so, she's hooked. I'm so happy that Words of Radiance is finally out. Yes, it came out this last Tuesday. Go buy it. Pick it up. It's awesome! <gasps> yes, Brandon, we're pimping you, because we love you. Um, we do. But now he's going to start on the second Alloy of Law book. I'm so excited, because I actually got an Alloy of Law t-shirt. So I have a picture of, way, er, yeah, of wax firing a gun, and then the bullet has... Looks like it's being pushed. It's awesome. Oh, <laughs> I know. So, uh, all right. Tune in next week again, as always. And then the week after that, we will have uh, Blake Castleman and Brian Hells in talking about uh, Dragon's Gate and Devil's Triangle. It's been a while since we've had those guys in. And maybe Blake will talk to us a little bit about Salt Lake Comic Con since he's in charge of that. Uh, so, yes. Tune in next week. As always, you can check out our archives of our show on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else. Wow, that I thought we had a little less time. I know it's awesome. It only just gave us the ninety-seven forty. So, uh, I guess lastly, um, well, thank you, right to hell, Titanfall, but also good night, Salt Lake, good night, world, and as always, please get more from your games. Yes, yes, I I killed Yvette. I hated her. So much. It, 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 the, the, the flame, the flame on the side of my face, burn, 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 breathing, breathe, heavy breath, heavy, heavy breath, heat hurting. All right. With that said, there's nowhere else to go but good night. Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. We'll catch you next week. That's what they call a plant. I thought your kinds were called a plant. In a time when everybody stopped listening, the show ended. <laughs>